1967, a lady called Catherine Switzer ran the Boston Marathon. Uh, you might think that's uh, an unremarkable thing. She ran the marathon in four hours and 20 minutes, so pretty good time. But again, you might think, well, that's pretty unremarkable. The remarkable thing about the fact that Catherine Switzer ran the marathon in 1967 was that women were not allowed to run marathons in 1967. They were banned from entering the marathon on the basis that it was thought that women were not physically capable of running 26 miles. Uh, so they were banned from entering. Catherine Switzer uh, thought otherwise and decided she wanted to run the marathon. So she submitted her application form uh, with her initial and surname. Uh, so it, it sort of went through the system because they didn't realise that she was a woman and not a man. And so she got her entry and was um, uh, kind of eligible to run because they didn't realise she was a woman. Uh, when she was running the marathon, the uh, director of the race spotted that she was running and tried to drag her off the track uh, because he was so outraged at what was happening. This was unthinkable. How could, how could a woman possibly uh, run the marathon? But she did. She was a trailbla trailblazer and she broke through uh, this barrier that said women were not allowed to run marathons. Uh, she was a forerunner in uh, the very, very real sense of the word. It took another 17 years before women were allowed to run in an Olympic marathon. 1984 was the first marathon in which women ran the marathon. But these days we don't bat an eyelid at the thought of uh, women competing in sport or running marathons or doing all those uh, other things that at one stage were thought unthinkable. Sometimes it takes someone to be the first someone to be the forerunner. And really at the heart of this uh, reading this morning, which we so often uh, read and we see it, uh, we read it often as, well, um, Martha is distracted and Mary is focused on Jesus and that's the lesson that we need to learn. And it is one of the lessons that we need to learn from these verses, that we need to have our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus. And when we have our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus, uh, then the things that trouble us the worries and upset that are so often the focus of our lives. Well, those things, uh, they don't just disappear, but we see them in their proper perspective when our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And certainly that's part of the lesson of this, these verses, and we'll unpack that in a, in a little while. But there's something far more radical going on. Uh, something far more outrageous. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago when we were studying the story of the Good Samaritan uh, I said then, so often we just see it as a morality story about how we should care for our neighbours and how we should include amongst our neighbourhood those whom we would normally avoid. And of course that is a big message of the story of the Good Samaritan, but there's far more to it than that because we can see in it uh, Jesus taking the place of the Samaritan, the one who's the outsider and the one who comes to rescue us, who are the ones who have been beaten up and left uh, for dead, and again in this uh, episode of uh, Jesus, uh, Mary and Martha, there's something far more radical going on. Jesus and his disciples are on their way. Where are they on their way to? Well, remember they're on the way to Jerusalem. Uh, remember back in chapter nine and verse fifty-one, we read Jesus set his face for Jerusalem. So everything else that we're now studying and reading, Jesus is on this final journey towards. Jerusalem, And it's important to remember that that's the goal. That's where Jesus is going to. Uh, there are wonderful parables that we 
read in Luke's Gospel, there's wonderful teaching that we read in Luke's Gospel. He sets us a wonderful example for how we should live our lives. But the goal for Jesus is to get to Jerusalem and die. Because it's through his death and through his resurrection that he sets us free. And always important to keep that in our in our minds when we're thinking about Jesus. We're thinking about what kind of person he was. When we think about the good news of the gospel. Is it simply that Jesus sets us a, a good example that we should follow. That we should do good to our neighbour. That we should try and live a good life. That that's all that is required. Uh, well it's not. Uh, to be a Christian what is required is a death. It's that we die to ourselves and live for Christ. So Jesus is on his way, uh, he's on his way, he's on his way to Jerusalem, he's on his way to die and then rise to new life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's the path that you have chosen to follow. It's a path of death, death to self, death to your own agenda, death to a life lived without God and then resurrection to a new life lived with Jesus. He's on his way with his disciples when he comes to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now we know from the Gospels that Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus are very close and become very close friends of Jesus. This is a family that Jesus loves. They offer him hospitality. They welcome him into their home and Jesus loves them. They are a very close friendship Uh, Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Just a few words that we could easily just pass over. But actually there's something very shocking and very radical going on here. Because in the ancient world there are three sort of big divides in society. Three big separations that keep people apart. And those separations are uh, Jew and Gentile, uh, slave and free male and female. And there are very clear dividing lines between these categories and very clear rules about what space you inhabit in life. And when it comes to male and female, there are very clear uh, dividing lines, uh, very clear spaces where uh, women do their stuff and men do their stuff, and you don't cross between them. In some cultures today, the same dividing lines are are still there. I remember a visit to, uh, to Pakistan a few years ago uh, going to visit a, a, a lovely family who welcomed us into their home, a Muslim family. Uh, we had a wonderful morning uh, with them. They welcomed us. They offered hospitality. But the thing that I, I noted was that in the living room where we met with the family, we only met with the men of the household. Uh, we met with the men and the boys and we talked all sorts of things with them. Uh, cricket, I seem to remember talking. But the women, we didn't see. Apart from when they came into the room to bring food and refreshments and when they came to say goodbye at the end and we had an opportunity to to pray together. But it was very clear that men occupied one space in society and women occupied a different space. And 2000 years ago, in the time of Jesus, it was it was exactly the same. So when we read that Mary is sat at the Lord's feet. well, culturally, she's in the wrong place. She's not where, we, where she should be. Remember, Jesus is there with his disciples, so at least the 12 apostles, probably some other men as well. Surely Lazarus, other men from community. This is a room full of men and Mary. 
She has, she's a, she's broken through a cultural barrier and she's in a place where she shouldn't be. Really, she should be with Martha in the kitchen preparing the food. But it's even more shocking than that she's just passed over this uh, sort of boundary into a space that should just be occupied by men. Uh, it's not that just that she's there, it's that she's sat at the Lord's feet. She sat at the Lord's feet. Now those few words don't just mean that she is uh, literally and physically sat at the Lord's feet. That little phrase means, means something else. It means she's there as a disciple of a rabbi. Jesus is a rabbi and if you sit at the feet of a rabbi, you are putting, you're there as a disciple. And if you're there as a disciple of a rabbi, what's your intention? Uh, well, your intention is to become like the rabbi. That's why you choose a rabbi to follow, because you want to learn from them. But you don't just want to learn um, a sort of intellectual knowledge. You want to learn from their life. You want to copy their life. You want to become like them in every way. That's why disciples would would leave their homes and leave their livelihoods and they would follow the rabbi because they want to watch how the rabbi lives. They want to become like him. And it is a him. 2,000 years ago, the only rabbis are men. And if you want to be a disciple of a rabbi, you have to be a man. But here is Mary crossed over this this boundary between uh, male space and uh, female space and male space sat at the Lord's feet and Jesus commends her. Jesus commends her. The whole, um, the whole scenario is deeply shocking or should be, would have been at the time. It's scandalous that Mary is there sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And Jesus commends her for taking this place. In the culture she is, she's acting like a man. And Jesus is commending her and saying, well, actually, in the kingdom of God, this is okay. In the kingdom of God, it is fine for a woman to be a disciple, to follow Jesus and to become like him. And again, we may think this is all very obvious, uh, that in the kingdom of God, as disciples of Jesus, the goal of our lives is to become like Jesus, to become Christ-like, to be like him, uh, to act like him, to live lives that look like his. But 2,000 years ago, this is all very shocking. And maybe even today, we need to learn this lesson again and be reminded of the fact that in the kingdom of God, there is an essential equality between male and female. That when it comes to service in the kingdom of God, uh, men and women are both allowed to serve under the Lord Jesus. Uh, just one or two, um, just scriptures to just to reflect on uh, before we um, sort of move on to the rest of the rest. Uh, when we when you go back to creation, you go back to Genesis chapter one, and you see how God, what, what God's intention was in creating us as human beings, as men and women. What do we read? Genesis chapter one. God said, "Let us make man, humankind, in our image, in our likeness." And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So what we see in creation is that that men and women, male and female, are created as as co-equal, if you like, as co-regents serving under God. Co-regents serving under God. There's no sense in Genesis of one being in submission to the other. They're both created in the image of God and told to be fruitful, to increase in number, to fill the earth, subdue it, to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Co-regents under God, in the kingdom of God. Just one other um, pointer to, uh, to note. When we think about the role of, of women in the Gospels and in the New Testament, and we think, well, who is the, who is the first evangelist? Who was the first evangelist? Who was the first person to proclaim uh, the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, it's not a man. Uh, It's a woman. It's Mary Magdalene on that first Easter Sunday. who is the first person to encounter the risen Jesus. And he tells her to go to the disciples, to go to the apostles and tell them what she has seen. He says to her, don't hold on to me. I've not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. She's the first witness. She's the first evangelist. Now, again, in the context of the time, it's it's kind of it's sort of it's shocking. It's outrageous. And it's a point of the fact that this is this is history. This is not fiction. Because if you had wanted to write a fictional account to convince people of the, uh, you know, to tell people about this resurrection story, and if you knew it wasn't true and you wanted to invent an account, uh, you certainly wouldn't have had a woman as the first witness. You'd have had Peter, James and John as the first witnesses. You wouldn't have had a woman because in a court of law, a woman's testimony was not valid. It was not acceptable. But the Gospels agree. That the first evangelist, the first witness to the resurrection, uh, was a woman. So when Mary is commended by Jesus for sitting at his feet, learning from him, occupying this space that was thought to be reserved for men, it's a very significant moment that in the kingdom of God, things work differently to the way they work in the world. It seems 2,000 years on, we're still having to learn this lesson that there is, there's an equality because we're all made in the image of God. And it's not just between male and female. You could apply it to, you know, to any, you know, any situation where there appears to be a division between people and apply the same lesson. We're made in the image of God. And in the kingdom of God, there's this essential equality between us all. So Mary is commended for taking the place of a disciple. Martha, bless her, is distracted by all the preparations that have to be made. And the Lord says to her, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. 
But only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. Uh, Martha is distracted. And it's not that she's doing anything wrong. She's doing uh, what she, uh, in a way, what she should have done. She has guests in her home and Middle Eastern hospitality is 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 crucial it's really important if someone comes to your home you are duty bound you're obligated it's you would you would be um dishonoring your guests if you didn't provide for them it's not that she's doing anything wrong it's that what she's doing is distracting her from that which is most important and in our own lives it is so easy to become distracted from that which is most important And often we are distracted in life by the things that worry and upset us. And I know that for uh, for all of us over these last seven, eight months of this global pandemic, there are many things that have worried and upset us and many things that continue to worry and upset us. There is still great uncertainty. Uh, There is much hardship coming down the track for many people who are facing Uh, unemployment and redundancy and who are worried and upset about how they're going to manage. And there is in this um, in this episode just a reminder that when we're worried and upset about many things there is something that we can do and something that is really important that we do. That we turn our gaze and we turn our attention and we focus on the Lord Jesus. And when we focus on the Lord Jesus, we find a, uh, a peace that passes understanding. It's not that our, uh, all our worries and our upsets simply disappear. It's that we, actually, we see them in a different context. And we know that actually there is someone that we can trust who is bigger and greater and more powerful than the things that upset us and the things that worry us. When Mary put her attention on the Lord Jesus, she did so as on someone who was demonstrating through his life that actually there was nothing that was more powerful than he was. He healed the sick, he cast out demons, he, you know, he, um, he calmed storms, he fed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread. She, she is learning and understanding That whatever she may face in life, Jesus is bigger. And that is part of the lesson of this reading for this morning. That whatever we may be facing in life and whatever may be coming down the track in the future, Jesus is bigger. Jesus is greater. He is the saviour and the only saviour. Which is why Jesus says to her, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. If we choose Jesus, that will not be taken away from us. If we choose to walk with Jesus, he will not be taken away from us. So this morning, uh, as we reflect on these words and as we reflect on our own lives, I just want to draw to a close just by encouraging you to put your focus on the Lord Jesus. Whatever it is that you may be um, worrying about this morning, whatever it may be that is upsetting you this morning, those are very real um, 
uh, emotions that we experience in life. But when they become overwhelming, they distract us from the Lord Jesus. And Jesus would say to us this morning, look at me. Look to me to give you peace. I want to read as I close some uh, words from a wonderful um, old hymn. Uh, And the chorus begins uh, with these wonderful words, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I'm just going to read it as a prayer as I close this part of our service this morning. And maybe you will reflect on these words. Maybe they'll speak to you this morning. The hymn goes like this. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Saviour and a life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Through death into life everlasting, he passed and we follow him there. O'er us, sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So may you, may we know the peace of the Lord Jesus in these days. We ask it in his wonderful and precious name. Amen.